Amazon has just kind of taken over the city and there's no turning back. Hello and welcome to Indestructible. This is Peter Rue in Brooklyn. Politicians here in New York and across the country have been falling all over themselves at the prospect of hosting Amazon's second North American headquarters, HQ2. Last week, dozens of municipalities submitted bids to Amazon, hoping to lure the company to their city. In this episode, I speak with Jeff Reifman. He's a former Microsoft employee, tech blogger, and a longtime resident of Seattle, where Amazon's presence has grown from about 5,000 employees in 2010 to 40,000 today. In a recent post at jeffreifman.com, Jeff outlines the negative impact Amazon's growth has had on his hometown and cautions other cities against welcoming the online retailer into their neck of the woods. We spoke earlier this month for an article of mine appearing in the October Independent and available at independent.org, Gentrification Prime. Our conversation touched on Amazon, displacement, and the class politics of the tech industry in general. If you like what you hear in this episode, visit patreon.com slash independent. You can become a monthly contributor for as little as a dollar a month. Every little bit helps. Five dollars a month gets you the independent delivered straight to your door anywhere in the world. We depend on a community of readers and listeners to keep us going. That said, here's my conversation with Jeff. So, yeah, just just to start off generally, um, you're not really happy with the way Amazon uh, has uh, developed in Seattle. Am I correct? Um, to put it mildly? <laughs> well, let's say, okay, so it's an amazing company. It's had a huge benefit overall to the Seattle economy. And as a homeowner in Seattle, definitely making me uh, money. But um, the company has grown um, with a lot of um, social responsibility problems, um, and it hasn't had much consciousness with its impacts on Seattle or willingness to keep responsibility for them. Um, but HQ2, um, I, I think that city, pretty much every city should take a pass, uh, but I do hope that one of them chooses Amazon because I don't want Amazon to double its... Pardon me, I missed that. You don't want Amazon what? Amazon to double its size in Seattle. Uh, I, I was relieved to hear that Amazon would be splitting its growth. Uh. What, what's happened in Seattle is that the quality of life for most people has been deeply eroded and um, you see this in various ways. Um, traffic is a huge problem all over the city now. A common benchmark is the Everett to Seattle commute that's grown from like 35 minutes to uh, almost two hours. Um, and you can see that on Google Maps. How could things have turned out differently in, in Seattle uh, that maybe another city that, that would take Amazon could learn from? set as um, we're looking for the best um, you know, geographical and uh, logistical location for our company, but give us the best tax breaks that you can get. We basically uh -huh. want a free ride. <laughs> and that is exactly the opposite. 
of what a city would need to do to build responsibly with Amazon. Mm-hmm. And Seattle just, you know, no one could have imagined that Amazon would grow from 2009 <coughs> to 2017 from 3,500 employees to 40,000 employees and that um, the company's market cap would increase 20x. I mean, no one imagined that. So Seattle was unprepared. And some of the things that we could have done is to have um, rent control. We could have had taxes on new development or mandates, regulations on construction that required uh, low-income and middle-income housing units in every building. Mm-hmm. Because now what we have is a bunch of luxury apartment and condo skyscrapers that don't provide any diversity economically and no ability for people to stay. The most shocking statistic, well, there are two uh, that have come up. One is that um, every year King County does a homelessness survey. It's called the Homeless Count. Mm-hmm. volunteers go around asking, you know, counting the homeless and they surveyed them this year what city did you live in when you became homeless? And 70% of them this year said that they lived in Seattle or in King County mm. in a sense um, homelessness has doubled from 2010 and 70% of those people lived in our community and were pushed out of their apartments um, it's devastating And the other statistic that backs that up is that a study of the IRS returns for 2014 in Seattle was done, and 50% of Seattle residents make less than $50,000 a year. And half of those, so 25% of Seattle residents make less than $25,000 a year. And those people just can't afford to live anywhere near the city. And so you have a low-income class commuting in, uh, to work for low wages and um, participate in the economy. And we have a huge wealth gap. Seattle is becoming, uh, it's essentially going to be a city of millionaires and multi-billionaires. I mean, are, are these problems endemic to the tech industry? You know, uh, San Francisco is having a similar problem. Yeah, and so I would call what's happening in Seattle right now a San Franciscoization mm. of Seattle. And um, one of the reasons why a lot of it slipped in Seattle because it wasn't, it it, it was a, it didn't have that happen, and now it has. Um, mm. the, you know, the wealth gap in America is a giant issue, and what we're seeing in Seattle is sort of a rarefied high tech success story uh, that's dramatically creating it. Um, mm. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I got to say, though, you know, in, in New York City, we have rent control. We have, um, like, requirements that developers build a certain percentage of affordable housing on their high-rises. But uh, it's not just the tech industry, but we're seeing a lot of the same problems that Seattle's grappling with. So I wonder if, if those um, uh, solutions would be enough. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um the other area is taxing the profits of corporations that are successful. Mm. And Washington State has a history of giving gigantic tax breaks to Boeing and Microsoft. Um, they gave Boeing recently an $8 billion tax break with absolutely no requirements for performance at all. And mm. so the legislators got rushed into doing it and now have been embarrassed because Boeing started cutting jobs. Mm. And 
Microsoft, I've done the reporting on this, um, Microsoft was dodging taxes by funneling all their profit on software licenses through Nevada, which has a 0% tax, and they <laughs> built up a operation there to avoid taxes. And Amazon really got to fly in the shadow, kind of grow in the shadow of this. Mm. The Washington State, as the governor said, and it get to say that the governor made comments that Washington state is fairly less than fair regulation free and pro-business. And that is true. And he's a Democrat. And, um, so because we're not taxing corporate profits and we're allowing them to leave profits offshore, uh, we're not taxing their revenue as state revenue. Um, there's no, there's like this huge, uh, category of money that's not there for us to build our community with. So when Seattle finally passed a transit bill this year, they, um, they put the entire tax burden pretty much on property owners. Mm. Um, and so certainly that is a class-based tax and people who can afford property pay the tax, but it's not a healthy um, uh, revenue structure for the state. Uh, and my property tax bill is now over $9,000 a year. So you have some people recognizing that they don't have the cash to keep up with their property taxes and they're realizing that they have to leave Washington or leave Seattle. Mm. Yeah, and uh, I'm wondering what your, your take is on this because it seems uh, the tech industry is very socially liberal. Um, you know, they'll support immigrant rights. I was talking to someone from a, a tech uh, promotion nonprofit today. That's one of their big campaigns is like immigrant rights. But... Uh, the same nonprofit, just to give an example, is uh, lobbying for uh, against taxes on on um, you know companies like Amazon and lobbying uh, you know on behalf of Airbnb to prevent regulation. So which company? Which nonprofit? Yeah, you know, it's called Tech NYC, but it, it seems to be like uh, this problem you know in the tech industry as a whole, where socially liberal in large part, but when it comes to the economic side are, are very, you know, at, you know, as you put it, laissez-faire. Um, well, there's a lot of, you know, what's called astroturfing in America where corporations donate, you know, actually, you know, recruit people to run these nonprofits that are organized as nonprofits, but they're in no way, uh, I mean, they're there to lobby for policies for the corporations, and that's what that sounds like to me. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy um, that they're not profit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, that's a lot, you know, it's, that sounds corrupt to me. Um, in Seattle, we have housing organizations. We have, um, you might have heard of our socialist city councilwoman, Shama Sawat. Oh, yeah, definitely. First push for minimum wage laws, and then is pushing for landlord and rental controls. Um, she's been a big driver of reforms that help people in the city. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of organizations pushing for affordable housing. Um, the Economic Opportunity Institute is a think tank that is liberal and is uh, analyzing fiscal structures that are most effective. And they read, they've, you know, Washington has the most regressive tax structure in the country. Poor people pay the highest percent of their. Um, their income and taxes. And so in Seattle, we had a 10.1% sales tax. Mm. And so these are all dynamics that hurt low income people. Um, but there's a lot of grassroots organizations in Seattle that are fighting for a difference. But at this point, Amazon 
has just kind of taken over the city and there's no turning back. And so the changes that politicians are working for now is to try to like, you know, sort of salvage what's left for people who mm. didn't participate in the tech boom. Mm. Um, I was mm. fortunate. I, I started at Microsoft when I was 20 and I spent eight years there and Microsoft's growth was a little slower and more distributed around the region as opposed to the city. It's, it's bases in the suburbs. Um, I'm very fortunate and privileged and, um, Mm. But what's happening with Amazon is uh, a different beast. Yeah, uh, I think so. And I, I'm just wondering what your perspective is. Like, one of the big things here in New York is uh, creating a more like diverse, socially conscious uh, tech industry. Uh, that's been a big campaign on the part of the mayor here. Um, do you think that you know? Do you think it's possible? Like, maybe the tech industry is getting that second. A shot, you know, uh, on the East Coast. <laughs> you think it can can reform itself, become, uh, um, uh, you know, less of a a beast gobbling up neighborhoods and, and more of a a, a diverse um, entity. Uh, diversity is a big problem, so um, I'm I'm pessimistic that the tech industry would drive that, and it's up to government to lead and. Um, Amazon, for example, does not disclose its diversity statistics for Seattle. Mm. So they Jesse Jackson took them on a few years ago and got them to release their worldwide statistics. I saw that, but, yep. Um, in Seattle, um, most tech companies on the West Coast hire about 80% men. Mm. And so one big change um, in Seattle is that of those 30 7,000 new employees at Amazon. They're mostly in their 20s to 30s. They're mostly men. Many are uh, immigrants on H-1B visas. Um, and so the H-1B visa program is a disincentive to corporations to invest in colleges and to invest in college graduates in America. Mm. And it's also a program in which they can have tremendous leverage over their employees. Um, I was talking to a man uh, a couple weeks ago in Seattle about he's an H-1B visa immigrant working for Amazon and he just seemed exhausted and you know if he doesn't perform Amazon has huge emphasis on like long hours if he doesn't perform you know they'll kick him off the program and send it back and so um, they can pay those people less and they can pressure them harder mm. because there's huge consequences for them uh, so you know, I, I think the tech industry takes advantage of our um, of our po political system right now, which is weak.
Let me pick your brain on this stuff because it's relatively new in New York. Uh, Amazon's made some inroads here. Facebook opened offices. Um, the city's trying to attract more businesses. So it's, it's I'm uh, really value your perspective coming from an area that's uh, got more of a tech presence. I'm wondering. Yeah, so I, I wanted to ask you in terms of. Um, sorry, there's construction going on. Oh yeah, it's fine. In terms of Manhattan, like because you're you're perceptive in saying you know that. New York's kind of taken off on its own. My underst- I haven't been to Manhattan lately, but my understanding is it's kind of a wealthy conclave at this point. Um, what do you think wasn't enough to protect the residents of Manhattan like who weren't making millions of dollars a year? Uh, that's a complicated question. Uh, one, of, one, one thing would be um, a, a move to the a service economy. Um, and, you know, when you're talking about low-income residents having to live outside the city and commute in, it's very similar similar to what's happened in New York where uh, uh, the poor working-class residents live in the outer boroughs and, you know, commute into downtown Brooklyn or Manhattan uh, to work. And, you know, accompanying the rise of the service industry, uh, Wall Street became more powerful and so has uh, real estate. So... Even though it's like 30% affordable housing when you build a high-rise here, um, uh, that's still far not enough housing stock to to actually um, for actual affordable res you know residents yeah. to live there. And also the metric they use for affordable housing includes wealthier areas um, outside the city as well. So yeah, what they're so calling affordable really doesn't when, even count. When you talk about there being regulations, what there aren't, there aren't, the regulations are weak is what you're saying. And yeah, that's, that's weak regulations. That was a yeah, long answer, are, yeah. There are finally some development <laughs> regulations, but they're very watered down. Mm-hmm. Um, po- politicians are largely driven by business, although that it, there are some really encouraging uh, liberal politicians in Seattle now. Um, one other thing I wanted to say on diversity is that Seattle is the fifth most whitest city in the country, mm. and King County is the whitest county in the in the country. So um, it's not a place that has done well traditionally on diversity, and the tech companies, I think, are lazy about trying to recruit um, diversity. I, I think, um, you know, there's no reason they can't go out and find qualified women, qualified minorities, um, but they're lazy about it. Mm. And the more H-1B visas they, they have, um, 
and the more there's no regulations for them to recruit diverse you know diversified mm-hmm. populations of employees so without that they don't really have to do anything and when you talk about the fact that Amazon doesn't even have to tell us how they're doing in Seattle in terms of gender or race I mean why do they have to perform at all so um, you know I guarantee you if Amazon published its diversity statistics for Seattle there would be an outcry of, of uh, anger and a, a, a demand from the top for you know from the from all over the city for that to change and people and- know it but it's not documented. Mm. And what do you make of uh, this push? It, it's definitely happening here on a local level in New York, but uh, also, you know, it's even part of the Democratic Party platform, uh, it seems. Uh, this idea of, um, you know, teaching more people to code. On one hand, that seems like it would add more diversity, but, and I've heard concerns raised that this will also create, a, uh, begin to create a low-wage pool of coders, Um uh, by creating an abundance of, of workers. I mean, what, what's your take yeah, on that? That's a great question. I was talking with an old friend um, who used to be a senior at Microsoft and Apple employee, and he he feels that this has already happened mm. and it's happened. It's increasing. So, you know, it's kind of a mix. Like, um, I I think it's important for us to educate lots of people on technology. Technology is going to run the world. You know. Um, and so, yeah, we need to educate people, but we also have to mandate that people are paid affordably to live in the cities where the companies are based. So there has to be a mix of education and a commodification of that talent, but at the same time, regulations that require that um, employees aren't taken advantage of. And um, we mm. just do not have that culture in this country currently. Mm. Great. Well, thanks, Jeff. I appreciate your time. Is there anything else you want to add? No, I think, uh, let me just think if, so is your, is your piece kind of uh, about Amazon in New York, or is it, um, you're just trying to understand Amazon in Seattle a bit more? Uh, well, it's about tech and displacement generally, but, you know, uh, we're a, a local paper that covers national issues with a local lens and, and vice versa. Um, and so, yeah, it's jumping off from this whole Amazon issue to look at a wider issue that's developing in New York. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's both, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, Amazon is a little bit like the financial industry, and, and I'm glad you reminded me of it. It's, um, you know, hedge funds, stock traders, you know, the, the I mean, the stock market is exploding as America's lower and middle classes collapse, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, so Amazon has been as successful as that financial industry. And so I think what's happened in Manhattan is very similar to what's happened in Seattle, except that Manhattan was always too populous to provide a quality of life for everybody and is now just even more challenged, whereas Seattle actually had a really great quality of life seven years ago, mm. and now it doesn't. Mm. And... Um, I think we have national problems culturally with talking about taxes and regulations. Um, I, I've been starting to talk about like taxes are a tool which allows communities and the country to come together and fund our, our visions for what's possible. I mean, taxes are amazing. They're beautiful things. And instead the Republican party has demonized them. And, Regulations are 
amazing things that keep our air safe and our water safe and our schools safe and um, our environment sustained. And um, instead, the Republican Party has demonized regulations. Mm. And so we have to start, um, as thoughtful people, we have to start shouting, like, I want thoughtful taxes and I want thoughtful regulations. And the way that we get that is with transparency. Like, part of what's happening in America is that we are getting uh, more obfuscation from the president on down and um, much less transparency. And uh, sorry, I was also going to say efficiency. Like, with transparency, we can push for efficiency. And so um, I would like to see much more of state and federal governments, um, everything that they do public, mm. everything they spend and buy. And um, so, so there is a lack of accountability because so much is so easily obfuscated. Mm, true that. True that. Great. Uh, well, thanks for your time, Jeff. Uh, sure. Yeah. Have a great afternoon. It's uh, evening here. But, uh, yeah. That's it for this episode of Indestructible, everybody. Thank you for listening. Remember, you can find us online at independent.org. To donate, visit patreon.com slash independent. Our theme music is 1848 Now by the Mekons. This is Peter Rue in Brooklyn signing off.